and you're a teacher, aren't you? I am. I am. And, um, like, I don't want to tell Rebel Harmony how to think. What to think. What, what to believe. What to believe. Where, what's okay, what's not. I, but, I, but I also am very strong uh, in, in wanting her to be polite and wanting her to be grateful and wanting her to not think of herself as the center of everything. Um, and she's an only child, and she has a lot. She has a lot of privilege, she has a lot of things, um, and she has a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. In part, you're talking about your personality develops out of your experience as a child. Same. My lack of uh, a father in my house. I know when I'm 13, and I'm helping my mother feel better. I'm helping diffuse the tension at the dinner table. My brother is self-sufficient and quiet and not very verbal. My mother is very controlling and anxious and she's a teacher and and I'm sitting there trying to make them laugh because I know they need to laugh and because I'm young and because I can sit, I can sense what's going on here and so when I start to date I want to talk with my girlfriends. I want them to feel better about all the things that don't feel good. And I can't be physical with them. I can't make a move because I'm sitting there trying to make everything okay always. Mm. Until, you know, I leave my house and, and I meet Natasha and I, I don't have to make a move. She makes a move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a load off my back. It's a, I'm unburdened because I don't have to. I can, I can fit into the puzzle. I don't have to create the, you know... Um, but sharing a life is so complicated, and um, it, is, it is not easy for us, even though we have a lot of things, even though we have a lot of good fortune, and that we have this home. Sharing a life, trusting, um, being vulnerable, um, for me, not being anxious, not being controlling, letting everything be okay when it's messy, when it's physically messy or emotionally messy, letting it be okay, thinking this is temporary, that's hard for me. Stepping back and looking at it from above and, you know, recognizing, you know, whatever you're going through is, is not, doesn't have to overwhelm. I'm better at it now than I used to be, but I still, I'm always p- turning problems over in my head still. And then I have to step back and say, breathe. Right. right. You know? But I think, you know, because I didn't have my dad there and because my mom was always feeling a little stretched too thin and exhausted, and I, I, I want to give my daughter so much of my attention. And I was reflecting on it recently. Sometimes it's a problem. Yeah. Because, one, I don't want her to become the center of the universe in her mind. Two, she's becoming more independent, five and a half. I can do it, Daddy. And it doesn't leave enough room for Natasha. It doesn't leave enough room for Rebel Harmony to grow. It doesn't leave enough room for Natasha to be sharing with me. And so my own instinct to provide energy, attention, love, it can be overwhelming too. Yeah. uh, A mother of a friend of mine, a, a friend from the military... Uh, she used to say, she said more than once, you cannot, you cannot do the right thing. You can only do your best. 
and and I think that it's it's a it's such a it, it's sort of obvious, but people always torture themselves. I could have done it differently. I could. Now, if you do your best, period. That, what else can you do? Uh, and and uh, but but I think that uh, uh, strategies and self torture uh, are redundant because it assumes that she doesn't have her her own. Uh, you know, she can survive. She she's she. You gave her the foundation until age two. She gained confidence in her surrounding and all that. By now, she navigates, and if Daddy is overdoing it, you know, trust that, trust that she will figure out who she is, and there is already a person there. Right. It is not. Right. It, yeah. Okay. So. Um, That's a good point. There so is a person there, and it's getting louder every day. <laughs> <laughs> well. Sometimes the loudness is an expression of confidence and joy, and sometimes it's an expression of need. And and I, I would try to read, observe: is it because she's craving attention, or it's because she is just joyous? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps if she's craving attention, uh, there is already the impact of engaging so intensely with her for, for such a, a long time and uh, and her challenge would be to learn how to focus on doing her thing like soon enough there's soon more soon enough she learned to read yeah she's learning yeah she's already learning yeah. to read. and she's doing more independent playing and imaginative play with herself yeah uh, so uh, so this uh, learning where to place your attention is a magnificent skill. I think that it's the highest skill of being is knowing how to focus your attention on a task and not being pulled to the, the yeah. other the other stuff. Right. Uh, because the avalanche of other stuff. I mean, you don't need to to look at your phone to understand it that there is a sort of a tsunami of, of stimuli right. uh, and, and no, you want to do what you want to do and you want... Everything falls away when you can focus. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. I, I appreciate that for sure. We want that for her. And, and, and I, I get focusing is actually a, a core idea in positive psychology is knowing where to place your attention and not allowing the autopilot of being surfing the wave of incoming information uh, because actually a lot of incoming information is created to grab your attention. Mm -hmm. To hijack your to attention. To hijack your attention. So you don't even know so you're given it up, you've given it up. Right. And 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 uh, imagine imagine we had a world which we did for many years, where when you finished watching an episode or something, it stopped. Yeah. That was it, and you had to wait one week right. to watch right. the next episode. Versus ten in a row autoplay, 
five, four, three, two. It's the, the fact we have to stop the device from continuing is such a switch, such a change, and it and it puts so much it puts so much um, need for us to control our attention. It puts a it puts a really because if you don't, you are on autopilot, Correct. and 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 you're. You're conditioning. We're conditioning our culture to go on autopilot. The next episode's coming. Don't oh, stop. The, the it. culture conditions us yeah. to, to go. And the technology is is and the advertising money it, in the technology is conditioning us to re- remain on the device. Not only that, uh, in order to capture your attention, uh, exaggeration or lies mm-hmm. are very effective. Right, social media is dominated by controversy because of that. Uh, because if it is, sounds weird and scary... Then you'll click on it. Uh, that, then, yeah, you want, you want to know and be prepared and right. all that. Uh, and back, uh, to the, back to the fight or flight. Right, right, right. It, it is, uh, and, and I bet that many people who live their life through social media are stressed most of the time. Mm-hmm. A mild stress is always there. Pardon? You, a mild stress is always yeah, yeah. there in, in what you're taking in. Or or the, oh my God. Like, you saw, you were feeling normal. You thought, maybe tired at the end of the day. Scroll, scroll, scroll on the phone. And then the only thing you say is, oh my God. Like, Forget about the device, forget about the information itself or the headline that grabbed you. It's just, that's the purpose of what you're doing. The purpose of what you're doing is to have you not really pay attention to what's happening, slowly move your finger on the thing. Not, not to in your contemporary life. Not to be aware life. of anything that is right. happening around you, but just to be in this scope of, when's the oh my God coming? Oh, there it is! Oh my God! What a crazy thing happened! It, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. It, but back to your mother or or my mother or my grandmother, that oh my God, is always there within us. People are always seeking the. Can I can't believe this? I can't believe the world is like this. People are always seeking the acknowledgement or the confirmation that the world's fucked up and crazy. <laughs> They're always seeking it because it makes them feel like they are right to constantly prepare. They're right to build the bunker. They're right to save as much money as possible. They're right to never be content when when they're always afraid. Well, uh, uh, a relative of mine, uh, uh, she was... Uh, actually a Holocaust survivor and she was a big complainer and she was always like sighing with the pain of the world on her shoulder and all that and pointing to to difficulties and all that so my brother at some point when she was actually on her deathbed in the hospital she said you know what you have nice daughters and lovely grandchildren was everything so bad? So she said, oh, no, no, there were some good things, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> if you talk about the good things, you can jinx them or something. I don't know. <laughs> there were some good things, but we don't talk about that. But we don't talk about that. And, and, uh, and 
in, in her mind it was uh, a condition uh, like, like mental suffering well, of course that's what life is all about you know and even as I was growing up and I, and I naively I was saying you know that, that happiness is, is I, I want to be happy she said who are you to want to be happy thank God that you are alive and of course in the in the in the context of the Holocaust or the War of Independence and knowing what happened to many children in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank Survivor's God you're alive. Guilt. Survivor's guilt. But but happiness? What's the matter with you? Yeah. So I know that being happy is in defiance of my heritage. And yet... Uh, and. Uh, there is something else about it I have a heart condition called atrial fibrillation it is when one atria of the heart is not in sync as far as tempo of working with the rest of the heart it is uh, not a unique situation and it's not necessarily fatal even though it could be um it is mostly invoked by uh, continuous stress. One valve is is it beats no, a not little valve. Not valve. It's an atria. It, it, you know, it, it has you know. two main chambers mm-hmm. and two little chambers, mm-hmm. and the whole system needs to work in coordination. Right. But one has a, a offbeat, a different tempo. So my my heartbeat is not. Mm-hmm like a pendulum or like a yeah. what do you call it metronome like a metronome it's a little bit it off. is yeah it's like two metronomes uh-huh. uh, but uh, eventually when I started to delve into uh, this condition and uh, the, the history and reasons for it um I realized that, uh, or I learned that uh, stress is a, is a major contributor because it alters biochemistry mm-hmm. in, in a serious way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, avoiding stress and well-being are, are not like a theory. It is a practice I want to do it to be healthy. Of course, <laughs> you yeah. Know, I, you know, if I neglect it, one of the possible repercussions of, of uh, a worsening situation of atrial fibrillation is the possibility of a stroke because there is some sort of turbulence that can allow for coagulation of blood in, in the blood vessels Mm-hmm. And if it travels to the brain, it can interfere with the normal blood flow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, b- but then I figured out that well-being and happiness is not only healthy to people with condi- it is healthy for everybody. Right. It is imagine where people are nervous and all that, and and then they meditate and the body is calm and then they get up and everything works better they breathe better the metabolism is all set it's a reset yeah it's a reset Mm -hmm. 
just like sleeping. Sleep needs you know? to be a reset, and sometimes that's hard for people to because you're once you try to have a good night's sleep, you're doomed, <laughs> right? As soon as you start to think about it, and that's that's the hard thing with sleep. I think sometimes I struggle with that. I think Natasha sometimes struggles with that, and children struggle with that, right? If they're starting to have a bad dream or if they're thinking about something they were uncomfortable with. That the anxiety around sleeping, um, it can be a struggle, and to let go of the struggle of it. And well, I think that uh, the practice of focusing your attention mm-hmm. is very helpful for that. Because imagine that you can focus on the sensation of breathing, just mm-hmm. like you do in in any meditation mm-hmm. or in many meditations. Uh, and uh, and uh, so you you force your mind to stay with the sensation of breathing, right? And you know there is a sort of a deep abdominal thing, uh, breathing, circular breathing is. too, in in through the nose, out through the mouth, holding the the breath for a minute, lengthening the the time of the yeah, breath, yeah, and 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 counting and uh, diaphragm. You know, movement and mm-hmm. so forth, and uh, the ability to do that is helpful day and night. It's a twenty-four hours a day yes. skill to have. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, I think that many people who practice meditation, even after many years, uh, they do experience situations where they cannot, their mind runs away. Mm-hmm. They they cannot block the... Okay, a, a friend of mine, a client of mine, uh, Arthur Blaustein, he, he, he was a teacher in humanities in Cal. Uh, he, he was sort of recognized and, and was a in the Carter administration, he was in the White House as uh, regarding the allocation of budget to humanities and arts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Anyway, uh, he w- when when Trump started to run into politics and all that, mm-hmm. uh, Arthur, this guy, uh, couldn't believe that that a person like this could possibly get anywhere in the American democracy. It's, it, it was impossible. Yeah. Uh, and he started, and, and every time, you know, Trump actually acquired a little, uh, a, a wider foot, foothold and sort of, uh, Arthur wrote uh, articles, the published articles about the lack of civility in, you know, and when it comes to Trump, Lack of civility is the first step, right? Um, and otherwise, this guy was always swimming and walking, and he was very trim and and athletic and all that. When Trump was elected president, he got a heart attack. I was going to say, is that how he died? No, he no he he, he just had a heart attack. Okay, good. But but he ha- the point he had a heart attack. He it, it overwhelmed him to the point. 
he built himself into such a uh-huh. conflict with reality mm-hmm. that reality crushed him. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, Trump's election crushed us. Well, I think I think a lot of people. There was a year after. I mean, the yeah, pe- yeah, the combination of of. Trump being elected, and then like the the just how could this be? What what does this mean? And then you're like the internet and social media. You're you're inundated with Trump stuff for the for the six months leading up to the election, and then he wins, and you're dumbfounded. I was teaching high school, and um, the students didn't like Hillary. They didn't trust her. They didn't trust Trump. They didn't trust anybody, and they didn't. And because they were, you know, fifteen, sixteen-year-olds, they were. What does it matter? They're all liars, etc. I'm sitting there teaching U.S. history, trying to teach, trying to impart in them. It matters. It matters. This is a this is a different reality we're entering now. Um, but yeah, I I think. If you were paying attention and were appropriately frightened of the reality of him becoming president, it was a terrifying first year. And then our media made it more terrifying. Back to attention. You couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape Trump unless you turned everything off and didn't talk to anybody. You really couldn't escape it in a way that had not been true in my life as a, as a well, you know, uh, conscious my, citizen. My grandmother, who came with my mom, the famous train, uh, train ride to Trieste, uh, she understood that the world is collapsing. And she had plenty of evidence to show that uh, from the height of culture and literature and, you know, aesthetic expressions and cathedrals and beautiful stuff to this war machine that devours everything in its way. And not only the death toll in Germany, but in Russia under Stalin. And that so the world is... is, is was bad. Okay. Uh, she was sitting and waiting for the world to collapse. Surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, the world didn't end. There were several more horrific events like the Vietnam War, the Korean War, uh, the, the Iraq War, you know, the the fall of the towers, the January 6th, you know, there were some horrific events. And uh, the horrific events uh, happen in time, and there is the next morning, and there is the next day, and the next year. And I feel optimistic. even though I'm particularly against the, the concept of God or religion, but there is a phenomenal thing about this species, the human species. First of all, the only viable predator or the only viable enemy of the human species 
is another member or other members of the human species. Mm-hmm. We, we don't we don't have you know animals that that want to eat us. You could say that the lack of resources on Earth is the biggest predator to the human species. Well, but it it is all in the context of of the impact of the human species. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this species uh, had a unique uh, mutation of the frontal lobe of the brain, mm-hmm. and and it started to develop language and all kinds of technologies and medications and all kinds of stuff. And there is a if you draw a line between the very beginning of the human species from the caves and the and the apes to where we are now there is a constant improvement not only a constant improvement in the cutting edge of our species but many more people are getting more protein in their diets they they are more literate than ever they are healthier than Sure, than the ever. quantifiable metrics of improvement and progress, sure. But if uh, genetics and mutations and evolution is like the toss of the dice, then it's absolutely random. That random generates progress in some species and the demise of other species. It's just like, it just so happens. Uh, some some uh, strand or, or some subspecies develop uh, a longer neck and they can eat more grass and they survive. And the short ones die. Mm-hmm. And, and so the tall drafts survive. And the, well, the fastest cheetahs survive. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. If that is the principle, yeah. how come only this species build cities and creates music and art and, and go to the moon. Uh, if this is a, just a random toss of the of the dice, how come this species continuously when You're asking way? the rhetorical question, why have humans been the species that advanced? A, and there is no other species mm-hmm. anywhere in the universe that we, uh, that we know of mm-hmm. that demonstrates that degree of progress. And adaptation. And adaptation. A- and imposing itself on the surroundings and taking it back, you know, wh- whatever. This is the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it is phenomenal. people will want to say that, that humanity is the crown of creation which I uh, I dismiss because of the affiliation with uh, uh, supernatural mm-hmm. uh, divine intervention sure. I, di- I, I absolutely kick it out the door mm-hmm. but here we have a phenomenon and to assume that suddenly uh, the, the the process of progress will go in another way uh, is uh, is like assuming that tomorrow morning the sun will not rise. 
Like, Progress is inevitable, is what you're saying. You, no, we no, have to I, accept. I, we have to accept the momentum of the species and the progress. That's what you're. It, it, it is. It is evident, and mm -hmm. and but but to doubt it means that we have to doubt that tomorrow we'll wake up in the morning and we'll open the faucet and run. You know, it's like that things will will happen uh, uh, to a degree as they happened so far. Um, so, I in other words, I cannot explain why it is so, but apparently this species will survive in spite of, you know, m maybe 30 million people that died during the, the first half of the 20th century. Uh, people will die, yes. Yeah, people and maybe die. with 9 people billion people, born. with 9 billion people, you know, the the species can tolerate a major loss, even if I am a part of that loss. I, you know, I, I'm not arguing mm -hmm. with with the universe, or mm -hmm. I will not argue with reality. But uh, but my optimism is based on the possibility that. Uh, let's say, the ills of capitalism, the way we know it, uh, will, uh, the ills of capitalism, the way we know it, and the development of artificial intelligence and, and other technologies will force mankind to develop a new paradigm, a new understanding of how society should work. Uh, and, and, and money alone cannot keep, it, it cannot uh, remain the, the leading principle of, of society. So a new humanity will have to emerge uh, because, you know, machines will do the, the sweating and we'll need to find other directions for, you know, you wake up in the morning there is a check in the mail because we don't have to, you know, but we need to reinvent what it is to be human. And and I believe that we will figure I it out. I think we are. We, I, I will I not think figure it out. I, I don't think we will figure it out. I think we are constantly reinventing what it means to be human. I think that's part of what we've been talking about in this conversation in general. That when you zoom out and you think in, in big picture uh, ideas and in, in geologic time and, you know, the evolution of the species, you, it's easy to lose sight of the progress when you don't zoom out. It's easier to see the progress when you zoom out. Right. Um, the idea of, of what artificial intelligence is doing to us and how we will have to find new ways of living is you project onto artificial intelligence and, and technology advancement whatever you want to see. So if you're in technology, you tend to project onto it possibility and efficiency and uh, all the positives, connectivity. And if you're not in it, you can project onto it paranoia and 
terror and um, being oppressed by the overlords of artificial technology. We're already living in a way that has reinvented what it means to be human by having smartphones, by being right, so right. dependent, by being by letting our attention be so easily co-opted, uh, by refusing to be human in a lot of ways. We're already reinventing that, which is such a problem. We're ignorant and blissful. Eighty percent of the eighty percent of the time, we're ignorant and blissful. We're, we're oh, but I can share this. I can share this podcast with a few people who want to hear it. They'll they'll learn about Moshe. He's down the street. He's an interesting man. Now they're going to hear he and I talking, and that makes me feel connected to other humans because I can share it. Um, I'm afraid for Rebel Harmony's you know society when she's fifty and I'm eighty five. 87, uh, if I'm alive, which I don't know that I will be. Um, hopefully she makes it to 50 and I make it to 87. At that point, you would be uh, 100 and 117. Uh, I, I don't know if I hope you make it that long. And, and, and that's not to say I hope you die before you're 117. <laughs> but that is to say I don't think humans need to be 117 with the amount of resources on Earth and the amount of people that need to be fed uh, and artificial technology taking over jobs does someone need to be 116 ever? Well, when you say that artificial intelligence takes over jobs mm -hmm. uh, it, is, it is possible that many people will sit at home and watch watch Friends for the you know 80 times the whole series and and not find a reason to live uh, they won't they don't won't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning if they have enough food and if they have a home yeah. universal basic yeah. income is kind of what's necessary in a, in a society you're talking about that is run by artificial intelligence there has to be some sort of baseline of everyone can live without an income. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really don't think that uh, that uh, uh, with the with the numbers of unemployed people that there is uh, uh, any impediment to distributing resources. Uh, so that people don't just die en masse, you know. Um, There's a lot of impediments. Greed is the main one. Okay, but that, that's... We don't live in a society that values... You see, a corporation that sells hamburger must have people that are able to pay for a hamburger. That's true. Okay, so, so to assume that they will just like say, no, a hamburger is going to cost $100 and you don't have it, get out of here and die on the street... Uh, is uh, uh, it, it's it's not a serious thought, you know. For the system to work, the productive working class needs to have some resources to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, now uh, it's true that uh, the Mayans and the Incas and you know the, those uh, South American. Mm, dictatorships or whatever it was, I don't know the form of government. Uh, the rich class 
squeezed all the resources from the from the working class to the point of collapse. And mm -hmm. one morning they got up and there was nothing. They they all it disappeared. The whole culture collapsed in. in what happened to years. Venezuela recently? Well. <laughs> That's uh, pretty uh, much what happened to Venezuela in the last five years. Uh, you mean that millions of people die from hunger? I mean that Venezuelans left Venezuela en masse because the economy was no longer functioning. It was so okay. desperate to live there, the money, the, the Venezuelan currency became meaningless. They just fled to all these other countries, including the U.S. Plenty of economies are living... Uh, are functioning in the way that you're describing uh, just now, right now, where, where the working class is barely surviving. Well, yeah. surviving they are. They're moving. Uh, They're moving away from those countries because it's not safe to live. Uh, yeah, no, no I, I, as, I, as I said, of, of course, uh, with 9 billion people all looking after the very same resources, Mm -hmm. It's it, there they're going to be some major losses, mm -hmm. but I'm saying that culture will have to reformulate uh, a new picture of why do you get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, you don't have to work in a factory to make shoelaces or or, or bread. Mm -hmm. The machines do that, but you wake in the wake up in the morning. Uh, seeking learning mm -hmm. I mean you, you you seek new information mm -hmm. or you teach new information mm -hmm. so so the the juice of of uh, of vitality is information mm -hmm. and not bread and butter bread and butter will be there because the machines will will be able to provide it mm -hmm. but value uh, will be created by by collaboration, mm -hmm. by, uh, f for instance, right. the, the, the aristocracy, when aristocracy, like in 1700s, aristocracy were not supposed to, de to, to work. Mm -hmm. In other words, getting your, your debt under your fingernails means you are the working class, you are not an aristocrat. Now, how did they manage it? Okay, how about theater, opera, uh, fashion, books? You know, the, the, they did so many things that kept their day, and, and they did silly socializing, and they did very pretentious activities, and what have you, but they didn't work. And they had food. And culturally, it wasn't a collapse. They 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 flourished, I guess. Uh, some some flourished. Yeah, yeah, and, and some were. And then they died hungry and died of diseases that could have been prevented. Yeah, and but they, they were not aristocrats. They, they that's my point. Okay. Some flourished, it, it and many and many died horrible deaths because of the. Uh, <laughs> because of the inequalities that baked into that system. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I, I believe that uh, uh, at, at this point, uh, if uh, if uh, artificial intelligence will manage 
resources or will will be assigned to manage resources and uh, do the the hard work, the physical work. Like for instance, uh, uh, the combination of satellites and and big farming machinery uh, can can do agriculture with very few people mm-hmm. uh, already, but mm-hmm. but it can it can get better. Um, managing uh, waste and turning into organic, uh, you know, fertilizers and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, it can be made more efficient and with less humans involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, uh, it can be very short, very short moments of uh, letting people just like die in the streets because they are starving, they cannot buy food, uh, because the corporation need consumers. Uh, and yeah. So, so they need to sustain consumers by, by giving, well, minimum income is, is one idea, and, and some economists and some politicians believe that it's a viable, that the economy can allow Securing minimum income. Oh, it's, it would be very simple to to create a right now an economy with a universal basic income. All you would need was a two percent that an actual tax on corporations and an actual you know taxing the two percent top two percent and redistributing. It's very it's not complicated, but okay. but the powers that are entrenched make it complicated. We, we are not we are not about to become a society with universal basic income or even socialized medicine uh, or universal health care because there's so many entrenched interests blocking that distribution. Um, We're still far away from it, unfortunately, in the U.S. Well, the but you're I looking I at artificial intelligence as the possibilities, and it, 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 you're looking it, it at is, the growth. It is, it is more than that. I think that uh, uh, the access to information and the fact that learning, because you know, so I sit at home and I learn stuff that I could never afford if I wanted to go to a university to to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so humanity is changing. In spite of, let's say, old institution, let's say, Catholicism or, or, or Christianity, it's an old institution that that really uh, is working very hard to generate new new generations of uh, of believers and and people who will sponsor that. But uh, you know the the people who say, okay, I'm making money and I can do this or that or I can give the money to the Pope to get another gold-plated candelabra or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, so, so people, because of the machinations of computers and, and IT uh, communication, information technologies uh, are veering to a more rational you know, being making rational judgment is a fruit of using this machinery. 
So if you look at the screens, right, I'm, I'm trying to follow you. You're saying that that like the Catholic. The Catholic Church needs more believers in the future, and people are now choosing reason and ration over over religion. Is that what you're saying? I, I'm saying that uh, uh, using technology requires pragmatic, technical, rational, mm -hmm. analytical thinking. Mm -hmm. So even if uh, religions are less religion interesting, want to do. Yeah. The supernatural sort of right. you know, afterlife and all that. Uh, uh, people are saying, hey, "Hey, wait a minute, wait mm -hmm. a minute. You want me to believe this and that, but I'm looking at the material reality and I can ask questions and all that. Uh, and and I'm not saying that already uh, there is a significant fall in in the power of religions, which it, it could be." That we are already yeah. we're, we're, we're witnessing that in, in, West, in the that. Western world. We're witnessing the the, the lack of um, spirituality and the lack of religion, organized religion too. I would say, but I would go a step further and say, technology has become our religion in in the United States and Silicon Valley for sure, um, and that techno utopianism is dangerous and when we're talking about our attention and when we're talking about future jobs and when we're talking about connection, human connection, uh, these things are at risk when when people become techno-utopians who will only see the positive aspects of technology influencing us and not see the reality of how it's changed our humanity, changed our behavior and changed our connectedness. Well, the the thing. Uh, Do you agree with that? Or no, no? you don't, don't. You don't agree I'll with that. You, well, we have to go. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll just. Okay, so we do have to go now. A few minutes. Okay. Um, it's been great, Doc. You see, with with all the exterior uh, of, uh, let's say information technology and the involvement, uh, how do you call it, the, the superiority of technology and all that, there is a little part of human existence that is called biology. Biology is not, cannot be dismissed by, by the fact that uh, we believe in technology. Uh, the cognition uh, is, uh, the cognition has many uh, many groundless possibilities uh, but biology is sitting right there and keep it working mm -hmm. so biology is not uh, going to give up the need for oxygen or nutrients regardless of what happens with technology of course even if we believe oh it <laughs> okay I will I will I will tell you an old Jewish joke okay. about this farmer who had a horse that was a very compliant horse and he was very good and but it was winter, it was hard times and uh, the hay that to feed the horse could also be used to, to make the house a little softer and warmer and so forth. So the farmer said, okay, I'll make an experiment. I'll just cut 
a little portion of the horse. If the horse is okay with it, we'll keep going. And he started to remove portions of the horse's uh, food until the horse was just collapsed and died. And the farmer said, damn it, I almost trained the horse to work without food, and he dies on me. (laughs) (laughs) So the the thing is, okay, uh, whatever technology, with all due respect and all that, biology requires to take care of oneself. Mm -hmm. It's not a theory. It is a material sensation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so self-care is not a subject to to indoctrination. It is built into our being. You know, we, we gasp for air, regardless of if we're just you know, regardless of ideology. Uh, so uh, to assume that humanity will suddenly become slave uh, to technology is is uh, is not possible. It's not that it's not feasible, it's just not possible because each person, for their brain to work, they need to sustain this machine. And and once, for instance, uh, when people are hungry, they become violent. They, they, they don't mm-hmm. say, oh, the theory said this and that. They, 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 they become you know, yeah. they need to survive. Right. This is why there's catalytic converter thefts going on all over <laughs> California is because people are hungry and desperate. And it's a quick money fix. Um, I, I agree with you that there's... Um, becoming slaves to technology is an extreme way to look at it and and would terrify people, the idea of we are literally powerless, right? Because the illusion of control over technology is what makes it so appealing to most people involved. When I'm on my phone and texting with my friends, I'm controlling what I say and how much attention I give that conversation. When I'm talking and listening with you, I'm waiting. If I'm a good listener, I'm waiting. I'm listening. I have no control over how long you're going to talk. If I interrupt you, I I have some control, right? But if I interrupt you, I know I'm not really listening. So if my attention is to listen, then I'm giving up control and I'm waiting. A conversation is an exercise in balance, really, and connectivity. A text message is an exercise in action and then a choice, whether to go back to something else, whether to talk to someone else, whether to get up from the couch, but there's no, there's no obligation and there's no prolonged concentration or need. Two hours have passed and I've talked with you, and I'm really glad that we have. I hope you've enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed it? Um, well, thinking and talking is, appears to be the easiest hobbies and the most affordable hobbies that <laughs> that I found so far. So yes, indeed, thank you. I I, I did enjoy the, how how it worked out. It, it was 
interesting and worthwhile. Good. I, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. I'm glad I asked you, and um, I will uh, make sure to share it with you. What I like about talking to people is both the personal and the universal. So I think we did hit on both. <laughs> okay. No, it's meaningful to hear someone who's been through 72 years <laughs> talk openly about the past because I know it's really complicated and I have talked with several older men and most of them avoid the negative of the past which is funny because you're saying your memory holds on to only the negative Mostly, but but, yeah. but speaking about the negative is really important um, and, and not just the negative speaking about all of it of, of your personal experience and, and your learning about yourself because I do think intimate relationships are the hardest thing we do harder than most jobs harder than raising children sustaining intimate relationships takes a lot of work and most people are not prepared for it when they enter into it most people are young when they yeah. when they when they commit to somebody and that may be too yeah. young sometimes well youth is wasted on the young <laughs> yeah yeah well, thank you very much. Well then, yeah, cheers and... Uh, I'm going to stop it here. Okay.